Let us pray. Shadow the silence, mighty God, with your glad and glorious greetings. Banish all our fears and give us faith in Jesus Christ, the risen Lord. If there is anything said this morning that is against your will, let it come to naught and do no harm. But if there is anything said this morning that is according to your will, let it be heard, as if sung by the voice of angels, that hearing we might believe, and believing, obey. Amen. So here's a, a real-life exchange with one of my children when they were three years old. What do you want for breakfast? I want a chocolate hamburger. What, you may be wondering, is a chocolate hamburger? On that day, I was wondering the same thing. But what do you call an ice cream sandwich in your house? I bet most, if not all of you, call it exactly what I called it growing up, an ice cream sandwich. Not our family, not anymore. Ever since that curious morning when that three-year-old made their cryptic request, we call that classic breakfast food, the ice cream sandwich, a chocolate hamburger. I gave the child the ice cream in case you were wondering. I couldn't resist. I think that's what dads are supposed to do. And I have a hunch that someday, 30 years from now, my family will still be calling the ice cream sandwich a chocolate hamburger. I'll be sitting around with my grandchildren on a hot summer day on the yacht that my daughter Grace bought me, and I'll ask one of them to fetch me a chocolate hamburger, and they will know exactly what I mean. This is what happens with language. We start using it in one way, and it seems to fit, even if it's not totally accurate, and we give words new meaning. Now, when it comes to ice cream and calling ice cream sandwiches, chocolate hamburgers, there are virtually zero implications that come along with the shifts in language. But when it comes to other words, words like heaven, there are massive implications. Our Father, who art in heaven, how would it change things? For instance, if I told you that there is very little in the New Testament about the idea of going to heaven. I know, I was surprised myself. Take that one in just for a moment. Our hymns, our stories, and our movies tell us that heaven is, as Maria Shriver wrote in her children's book, What's Heaven?, a beautiful place where you can sit on soft clouds and talk to other people who are there. At night, you can sit next to the stars, which are the brightest of anywhere in the universe. 
Now I looked up every usage of the Greek word for heaven, orenos, in the New Testament, and nowhere did I read anything about sitting on soft clouds or starlit conversations with other disembodied folks. In fact, almost every time that Greek word for heaven was employed, it referred to the kingdom of heaven. This is a monumental distinction. The word heaven most often is not used to refer to a place where we are going to, but instead to pronounce and announce that a new way of living is coming to us. I am intrigued by the work of N.T. Wright on this subject. He writes, Many Christians grow up assuming that whenever the New Testament speaks of heaven, it refers to the place to which the saved will go after death. But the language of heaven in the New Testament doesn't work that way. God's kingdom in the preaching of Jesus refers not to our post-mortem destiny, not to our escape from this world into another one, but to God's sovereign rule coming on earth as it is in heaven. Heaven in the Bible is not a future destiny, but the other hidden dimension of our ordinary life, God's dimension, if you like. Heaven is when the creativity of God explodes on the scene. Sure, there is heaven at the time of death. God wields the instrument of light and color both for the dead and those who mourn. But when Jesus came, he came to make the bold pronouncement once and for all that God's creativity could not be limited. And so you see heaven when you look for it. When a revolution of bold new colors of gratitude and honesty show up in our relationships, that is God bringing heaven. When generosity and compassion sculpt something new out of brokenness and heartache, that is God bringing heaven. When the fresh texture of rest is laid over weariness, that is God bringing heaven. When lines come together and form new pictures, and those pictures bring new ideas, and those ideas birth new impulses towards peace and justice and freedom, that is God bringing heaven. Heaven is not limited to another place. As if God no longer cares about this place. No, Jesus came so that we might better glimpse God's creativity. Better glimpse heaven in this place. Now the trouble with all of this, of course is that once language 
starts to run away. Once we are convinced that words mean one thing and don't mean another, it is almost impossible to have our minds changed. For instance, in 30 years, my grandchildren will not be easily convinced that the chocolate hamburgers they thought they were eating were not chocolate hamburgers, but instead ice cream sandwiches. So it is with heaven. Our hymns, our pictures, and our movies have shaped the word heaven with such intensity it is almost impossible to get it back, to embrace the full definition of the word heaven. And that, as I noted, has massive implications. Take, for instance, today's text, just, just a snippet from the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, Antois Oranos, in the heavens. If our definition of heaven is limited and thin, if heaven is relegated to, as Maria Shriver continued, a safe place with the stars where God and angels and spirits live, well, what does that do to God? Our Father who art in heaven, if heaven, God's dwelling place, is distant and far off, disembodied and unrelated to our present world, then so is God. And that is very bad news indeed. However, if our definition of heaven is more robust, more in line with how Jesus spoke about heaven when he spoke about the kingdom of heaven being near, or when he said, look at the birds of the heavens, the oranos, the air, well, that is something quite different about how God relates to the world. I mean, what if God resides right here? Because heaven is right here. If the heaven that boosts the wings of even the smallest hummingbird is in the heaven that blows and wrinkles the outline of trees, even in the heaven that mysteriously moves in and out of our lungs? What if we grasped firm to this broader definition of heaven? Well, then doesn't this reawakening to an old definition open up a new world of possibility for relationship with our Father? A very near, very present God. Heaven is a relational symbol, preached biblical scholar Patrick Miller. A very present heaven means we have a very present God. But Miller, Miller doesn't forget about the hereafter either. 
He doesn't forget about the heaven to come. He continues, I really do believe our fathers and mothers, our grandfathers and grandmothers, and all those who have gone before us even now and keep us and bear witness to us beyond their life, whatever we have known of loving relationships is not lost. That is heaven to come to Dr. Miller. It is more than an exercise to have these conversations, no matter what you call the place we go where we die. New earth, future heaven, or the garden of paradise. Just as it is essential for us to remember heaven is right here, it is just as essential for our direction as disciples to revisit our dreams for the sure and certain hope of the future. See, I believe that heaven is here. It is here because Jesus came from there and brought it to us. And if we think of heaven as what lies at the end of a timeline, Jesus bent that timeline back to first century Palestine and by his spirit bends it back over and over again, poking our world with a glimpse of what is to come. Or to put it another way, if heaven is a beautiful lake held in by a dam and earth is a parched valley laying just below that lake, Jesus came and drilled holes in the dam, letting heaven in all over the place. I think that Christians should spend the majority of their time locating these pools of heaven and bringing other people to them for refreshment, understanding, and hope. Or as Johnny Cash sang, if you're holding heaven, spread it around. There are hungry hands reaching up here from the ground. I think it is normal to worry about what happens when you die, especially if you haven't experienced much heaven in your life. I think death is doomed. Jesus told the thief with some of his very last breaths, Truly today you will be with me in paradise. And so I truly believe that death claims no victory, not even a moment's victory over those who die. I think that in the same moment eyes close in death, they reopen in resurrection. Not that we reopen our eyes as ghosts or spirits, but like with Jesus, we open our eyes. And those eyes are that of transformed and resurrected bodies in the new heaven and the new earth. How does God do this, especially after we've been dead and buried? Well, I hope for it, and I believe in it, but I have no hope of explaining it. But I can't even explain why you can't pinch your nose and hum at the same time, so take that for what it's worth. I think, like with Jesus in the tomb, we can trust God with the details of what happens in the human time that goes by between the moment of death and the day of resurrection. I think that the new heaven and the new earth will be everything we hoped it would be and nothing less. I think of how they all will be there. 
Yes, she will be there, and so will he. I bet the beloved dog or cat will be there too. Remember, God's project is concerned with the whole world, not just humans. A new heavens and a new earth. Personally, I think of how all these people I've buried will be there. They will pat me on the back and welcome me. They will thank me for praying with them even when they had lost the strength to open their eyes or say amen. They will laugh and forgive me for the things I said or didn't say at their funeral. I think of how I'll get to shake Ted Williams' hand and give Babe Ruth a stare down. I think of how my grandmother will welcome me in like she did when I visited her house as a child. How my friend Jason can forgive his dad for what he did. How my friend Matt won't miss his mom anymore. I think of my wife's smiling eyes into eternity. And I think of how my children will be there too. With any luck, I'll go long before them, but I won't miss them for an instant. And they will still want to hold my hand and rub my head and share chocolate hamburgers together. There will be no calorie counting in heaven. So you know what I say? Chocolate hamburgers for everyone. Chocolate hamburgers for everyone. That to me would be heaven. Amen.